Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. I'll tell you, every time I hear that, I'm sitting in my, because you played it and you put like your microphone up so I could hear the intro coming. I have. And every time you do that, and I'm sitting in my house, no one's around me. He's playing that little guitar riff, and I'm just sitting there just bopping, you know, <laughs> every single time. I've got a story about that, but uh, let's uh, let's greet the show properly. Welcome to A Nice Place to Brew. I'm Jason. And I'm George. This is a rare in-studio episode of A Nice Place to Brew because Mr. George here has graced us with his presence here in good old Darien, Illinois. George, <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you, my friend. Well, thank you. Yeah, It's been a long time coming. Your last time in Illinois was almost a year ago. A little, yeah. Actually, was it? I, I almost thought it was more than that. But yeah, I guess it's been a little less. But yeah. Yeah. Back in for, you know, business in Chicago. And, and, and we of course, wanted, the podcast. And, and, and how could I forget the podcast? And so, yeah. Well, I, I'd like to kind of tee up today's episode a little bit. And uh, th- this, this episode came up in a pretty unique way. And uh, we're going to be talking about a style. This is going to be an abbreviated, um, abbreviated, uh, uh, this is going to be an abbreviated episode today, but we do have a unique style of beer and a unique subject that we're going to talk in depth about. Uh, one that George and I don't have a whole lot of background on, so we're just going to kind of learn together. George, you want to take it from here? Yeah, I we so in my homebrew club in uh, Culpeper, Virginia, we decided we're going to do this thing of pull it out of a hat and see, you know, what styles we can find, and you know, try to brew outside of our comfort zones. A lot of us have our particular styles, like I like triples and darker beers and there's a guy there that likes ipas and another one that likes to make uh lagers and things so we said all right so we get a lot of the same things from the same people so let's just go ahead and kind of mix it up so we each picked a number i mistakenly thought that the number might be the bjcp number and and chose one and then i was wrong <laughs> and and got a style called a brute ipa which actually does not have a bjcp category yet and george said something right before we turn the mics on for this episode and it's worth repeating here we are not just on the cutting edge when we're talking about this new style of a brute ipa no 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 we're on the bleeding edge. The bleeding edge, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Could not have said that better myself. Anyways, um, to, to add on to George's comments, I have little to no background on this beer either. So over, you know, over the next several minutes, we're going to kind of be learning together. We have a sample beer in front of us, and we're going to be opening this beer and trying it. And uh, we're also going to read off a couple of things, and we're just, you know... We're going to kind of kind of build off of it, and uh, I I'm excited about the prospect of doing this. I'm going to learn you know learn a lot you know f- over the course of this episode, and I look forward to following up after this episode is completed and George has completed his little experimental batch. Yeah, so I'm definitely you know I'm, like I said I'm on the hook to brew this, so that's you know that's I'm going to give it a whack and see what happens. All right, but you know on my way out here I was like well let's talk about this, and so I thought. 
All right, we've never had it before. Let's see if I can find a brewery in local to Jason that you know makes it. And Hailstorm actually made a brute IPA. Um, so a little call, shout out to them. Hailstorm has really solidified themselves as one of the elite uh, craft breweries here in the Chicagoland area. Hailstorm out of Tinley Park, Illinois. Hats off to you guys. Mm-hmm. So this one is called Hopseco. It's a brute India pale ale with Sauvignon Blanc juice. Sauvignon Blanc, as in the wine. As yes, in the that's wine. not a mistake. Correct. And then Harlatau Blanc. And can you read that middle word? I think these I'm are just the picking, hops. Picking up what? Uh, where am I looking at? Uh, oh, okay. Calista, I think it is. Yes, Calista. Secret. So I think those are the hops that are associated with this. Hollertau is. I don't recognize the other two. I don't you either. Might, you might be right. So anyway, this is you know a 16 ounce can. It came in a four pack, and it's 7.3 percent alcohol by volume. And let's see if there's an IBU on it somewhere. Not on the can that I can see. Let's look at our friends at Untapped. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing about this uh, style is the is from what I've been reading. Even though it is an IPA and it is considered an IPA, um, the IBUs are not as high as you would think they are, which is why I was looking to see if. Uh, hmm. If they were listed on the can. Not only is it not listed on the can, it is not listed in untapped. Well, that's just not helpful. I know it's not. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, got the, it's got the ABV, which is um, 7.3. 7.3, And it's got 564 reviews. I mean, is this some kind of big secret? Is, is that why they're not talking about the IBUs? I, okay, so... New style guideline. You don't tell people the IBUs. No, I don't know. Yeah, I think you know. I think this is just extremely new. I mean, who knows? I don't know if this is a limited run that Hailstorm is planning, or if this is a. I a have new, no idea. Yeah. In doing some uh, quick research before we uh, turn on the mics here, um, I did come across an interview, and and this is going to be this is going to be one of the few sources that I have to pull from as we're as we're discussing this style. But I came across a brewery out of California called Drake's Brewing. Okay. And their brewmaster is mentioned by name here in this article. And the brewmaster's name is Kim Sturdevant. And uh, the article says uh, Kim Sturdevant created a super dry IPA called Hop Champagne, which uses enzymes that make complex sugars in beer completely fermentable. Reducing the amount of residual sugar in beer to this extreme gives the beer an ultra-dry, brute... Keyword, brute, brute yeah. champagne-like body. That's a great platform for hop aroma and flavor. I'm not clear if he's getting credit for creating this style or not, but this was a profile of the beer that he made. So the what I found was a, a guy that kind of put it together. This is a site called uh, New to Brew. And he uh, you know, kind of took a collection of four different breweries and kind of came up with some style guidelines based on the beers from those four different breweries. And the dryness, as you stated, uh, Jason, is one of the key um, aspects of this, is it's a very extremely dry yeah. type of uh, type of beer like you would typically find with a, a Brut Champagne. Yeah. And, uh, you know, consequently, another thing that tends to be a hallmark of it is extreme effervescence. 
you know, like you're going to carbonate the crap out of this basically. Yeah. And, you know, with the dry character and the, uh, and the carbonation there, you should have those like small fine bubbles and everything. Okay. All right. Um, so I think because it's so dry and because the palate is going to be so wine-like, even though it is an IPA and you want that IPA character, you do not need the super high level hops and IBU that you would normally have for an IBA that's competing with those malt characteristics because those malt characteristics aren't going to be as present in I'm, this. I'm getting excited as, we're, getting as, excited as we're talking too, about yeah. this. And the timing of this is perfect too because we just finished dinner and I jokingly said that I hit, that I got the chance to wine and dine George tonight because George has had, <laughs> had the chance to try some of my homemade wine tonight as well i did which was phenomenal by the way thank you very much i think much. it was thank you if i had to tag a style on it i'd say a light riesling yeah yeah no and that's yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a fair profile so um we actually do still have a small volume of the white wine that i made right here on the on the table between us mm-hmm. cheers by the way cheers and uh i, I feel like this is kind of i feel like our palates are just like primed to, to try this beer for the first time. Yeah, because it already has that kind of grape characteristic on it. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So, all right. I think we've teased this enough. Let's yeah. uh, let's dive in. All right. So, we're going to open it up. That's good. That's good Good pod right there, George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give the people what they want. <laughs> all right. I'm going to do the same. Okay. Bring the glass around. This look at that. This pours like somewhere right between champagne and Miller High Life. Horrible, horrible comparison. Horrible comparison, but you're not completely inaccurate. Thank Only you. a horrible comparison because Miller High Life is ugh. champagne but, of beers, um, my friend. It's champagne. God damn it. <laughs> no, but my first uh, impression is you know. The it, the uh, the head on it is very champagne like like it, you can see oh absolutely how it poured and mine is already it's got this super fine tiny bubbles and it's already kind of uh, dwindling down so you don't have a ton of head retention but it's just like what you would typically find with a champagne um and is extremely effervescent did yours already go down from this state mine is that. Yeah, I mean, it was up here, and it okay. Well, oh, yeah, down, well, yeah, you know? yeah. Mine's doing it for sure. Yeah. So, okay, so let's check out the aroma. Oh, yep. Mm, yeah. Hop, hoppy, hoppy. Yeah. yeah, but fruity hoppy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that might have to do with like the Sauvignon Blanc that they added in. I mean, the aroma is very pleasant. Very pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm getting I'm getting more excited by the minute. I here. am too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Us, using all the five senses. All the five senses. Yeah. You put it up to your ear. You don't hear the ocean as much, but you no. definitely hear those. Well, you bubbles. get the carbonation bubbles. Yeah. 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 yeah, they, yeah no question. Coming up. So. All right. So. Time to try it. It takes a lot of good beer. To make great beer. Cheers. Cheers. There you go. All right. Oh, wow. 
What do you think? Okay, a couple things. A couple things stand out. Um, my first impression is dryness. Oh yeah, I mean, th- that's one of the standout points from that first sip. Mm. So the other thing is, you, you like drink it a little bit and you hold it in your mouth a little bit. Two things will hit you. One, it's it's thinner in body, but it's not thin. So it's 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 not it's not a thick beer. Like it, like you, typical typical IPA is kind of a medium body beer. This is much more along the lines of kind of lager consistency in the body. But at the same time, if that effervescence is just exploding in your mouth as you're as you're uh, drinking it. Partially with you as far as some of the lager characteristics. The one thing that's detracting from me is there's not nearly as much body in this as most lagers that where your brain would go to when you think of a lager. Like that's a fair. like a German style beer. Well, I was trying to think of a beer analog because the body is very reminiscent of a champagne. But there's not really a beer analog that's really good for for that. Lager is probably the closest thing I can think of. You're probably right. This this clocks in at seven point three ABV. ABV, which is, by the way, folks, super dangerous because it does not taste like that. Not at all. So I mean, it's not hot at all. No. I mean, I hate I hate to do this, but back to my Miller High Life example. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not kidding here. I, I mean, know. this. I mean, this has, you know, I won't say the mouthfeel, but I mean, sipping on this, you do feel like you're drinking a session style beer. Well, and that's I'm one getting of the, that impression. That's one of the characteristics that this guy brought up was sessionability. And seven point three percent. That's well, a, that, that's a mixed message right there. <laughs> I think that's a little excessive for. <laughs> um, but you know he's he was saying that this you know a lot of these are very sessionable and i think the way this drinks it's very sessionable now i mean like you said the abv i think is a little high to be considered that but yeah the way it drinks yeah. is definitely sessionable yeah agreed fair point <laughs> so the question becomes you know as we're uh you know putting this together and since there's not really any good Guidelines. It's not in the BJCP guidelines at all. Uh, what do we think from the perspective of kind of grains, hops? Like, what do we think? I'm guessing it's really heavy on the base malt. Okay, I would buy um, that. Yeah, two row probably. Yeah, you think there's a little, just a little bit of like a, a caramel or something like that in there too? Yeah. And probably not a whole lot else. That's kind of the grain. It's a pretty simple grain bill. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah. Again, really heavy on the base malt. Probably some light caramel, maybe twenty to thirty lova bond. Probably less than eight percent of the total grain bill. I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see with the head the way it is i could definitely see some like dextra pills kind of yeah addition and, to and help that's with that. and that's fairly flavor neutral so yeah right. that, that would that but would just make to sense. help with because since since the effervescence is going to drive that head down so quickly you would definitely have to have a malt to help that out i think you could you could definitely have a malt to help that out yeah yeah 
So what about hops? I'm 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 thinking kind of the fruity hops and and more noble hops like you know Cascade, Harlotau, Tomahawk. Well, that's the one that's a little actually a little bit more bittering than anything. But well, this this one we can add some input because I think what we have here is is um, the hop profile from this from the Hop Seiko beer that we're enjoying right here. Okay, so. I'm going to look this up real quick, and we're going to confirm if what's on the can here is the hop profile. Okay. Unfor- Are you talking about the the Harlotau Blanc? And- well, we know Harlotau is, but we're, uh, first first thing I'm, I'm looking up here is uh, Callista. Okay, now look up Fix Secret. Yeah, you're right. Yep. It is the hop profile. Yep, it is. Okay. Oh, wow. Look at this. So mine, I found, is Vic Secret's an Australian hop, and its aroma and flavor is pineapple, pine, passion fruit. The flavors are lighter than the ones you'll find in Galaxy hops. Alphas on of it are fourteen to seventeen. Oh, typically, but it's typically used as a flavor hop. What'd you find? Okay, all right, that that does make sense. Um, okay, so yeah, Callista is a hop as well. Um, this clearly is an aroma hop. Uh, the al the alphas on this are three to four percent. Okay, sure. So, aroma variety with apricot, blackberry, raspberry, passion fruit, peach, grapefruit, and gooseberry notes. See, this is kind of driving into what I was talking about before. Like all the hop profiles we're seeing are very fruity in nature. Yeah. I mean, isn't Hallertau uh, a higher alpha hop? Well, I just looked up Hallertau Blanc, and it's actually mid-range. Like, the alphas in it are 9 it to is, 12. Okay, it is mid-range. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. And, and German Hallertau Blanc is a daughter of Cascade, which is one of our favorites. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it, it's mostly an aroma hop with a moderate to strong notes of pineapple, white grape, uh, fresh lemongrass stalk and passion fruit. So all of them very fruity in nature. Yeah, yeah. Back to Howard Hallertau for a second. Mm-hmm. We have experience using Hallertau. I think this is we a little made, different. We made an IPA based off of that about two years ago. We did, but we used the the traditional noble hop Hallertau. I think this is Hallertau Blanc. I think it's a slightly different variation. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. Yeah, but okay, so good. So similar hop varieties to Hallertau Blanc are Cascade, Glacier, which was in the uh, was in the Vic one that I had talked about, and Hallertau Tradition. I'm not sure what that one is, but yeah, okay. So, wow, I'm actually super excited to make this now. I'm excited, man. I, I wish I was participating in this. Yeah, man, this is really unique, and man. I mean, honestly, I'm getting further down into this can, and I'm enjoying it more. I know. Like, I mean, this is a this is a real summertime beer. Oh, easily. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, after working in the yard, can you imagine cracking open a can of this? You'd be happy. Yeah. You'd probably be half in the bag afterwards, but you'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, <laughs> go, go into a barbecue with yeah. friends and family. This, this would be a smash hit. Yeah. It's super easy drinking. Yeah. 
So I think mine, and the 7.3 might be partially because they added the Sauvignon Blanc, um, but I think mine I'm going to target a little bit lower, like a five, five to six range. I mean... In this one, we really we don't have guidelines to fall back on. So, I know. That's I mean, why I'm I, kind I feel of like, like throwing I mean, it out there. Yeah. To the comparisons that we're making, I feel like there's something you know something worth you know worth being said about this you know shooting for a lower ABV. So yeah. I think that does that does make sense. So the, yeah, if you knock two uh, two points off the ABV on this. You're you're not losing a whole lot. I feel like no. the I feel like the flavor profile is going to be exactly the same. I, I agree, and it's just going to make it more sessionable. And yeah, yeah. Um, so the only thing we didn't talk about was the yeast. We think like a traditional, and that's what I just looked up. Okay, our friends at Omega Yeast have a specific strain of yeast for brewed IPA. Yes, sir. Isn't that man? That's really interesting. Yes, we, we absolutely have to talk about the yeast. So I'm just I'm going to read directly from Omega Yeast's um, website from this from the style. This brew is our take on the burgeoning new hoppy style known as the Brut IPA, mimicking the qualities of sparkling white wine in beer. This beer is effervescent, bone dry. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, with minimal bitterness and malt character to allow the hops. The hoppiness to burst forth. The key player in the style is, oh boy, <laughs> glucoamylase. Oh, okay. Glucoamylase, an enzyme that breaks down complex starches into simpler s- sugars for the yeast to chew through. All right, this next the, this next paragraph is going to get a little more scientific than I'm usually comfortable saying, <laughs> but I'm I'm just I'm just going to plow through. Aim for low SRM. Bitterness, okay. less than 30 IBUs. There you go. There you Profile, go. less than 30 IBUs. Right. And dry hop amounts similar to a classic West Coast IPA. While many froze, while many commercial examples lean towards cleaner yeast profiles, here's two comparable yeasts, West Coast Ale 1 and British Ale 1. Okay. British Ale is a bit of an odd choice, but it's anyway. a little bit, but yeah, West Coast I get. Uh, non-phenolic strains with expressive estery character that can produce phenomenal results. Comparison, double IPA, tropical IPA. In this particular brew, we used Hornendal Quebec. New England and American hops with a tropical fruit quality should be added close to Whirlpool or at dry hop. Okay. And this so- website just happens to give us a, a recipe? Not a recipe, but a profile that's very similar to um, what BJCP would give us. Okay. Wow. See, I said we were going to learn on the fly, and we Here are doing we are. that. And, f- man, I will give a free plug to Omega for for the for the save here. I'm good just with over, that. Just over <laughs> 20, 20 minutes into the episode. Okay. Omega, you guys are awesome. In fact, I'm going to... I might be asking you to uh, see if you can't find some of this yeast to send to me because I can't find Omega where I am. Not a problem. We'll do. All right. So, all right, here's the profile. Um, Okay. So the uh, original gravity level is aiming for a level of 1053. That's what they've got. 1053. So, okay. So, and then 
What's the final? Finishing gravity. This is going to surprise you. You're getting down to close to 1.0. So that's yeah. And they've got the they've got the number listed as 1.002. So you I mean you're wow. right at the So bottom. you're driving it down, yeah. Yeah. And and for how dry it needs to be, that's not surprising. So I mean, you you need you need a damn near wine yeast to get to that level. Well, and that speaks to the to the grain bill that we talked about before is that um, you can't have a whole lot of those unfermentable, you know, sugar type grains, so you can't have a ton of like the caramels or the uh, mm-hmm. you know, dextra pills if you want to get down to 1002. Yeah. You know? There's and there's a couple of like um exa- I mean, this is not a full recipe, but they do have some examples of some profiles to kind of compare to. And I think we had a couple of right ideas here. So um, here's a sample grain profile. Okay. We were wrong on the caramel. Where are we? Scrap it. Scrap it. Gone. Okay. Um, uh, two row. Oh, they've got Pilsen malt. Okay. Whereas I was saying two row Pilsen. That's, that's fitting too. Um, the only other grain um, as a sample of this is white wheat. Oh, that's interesting. And that's kind of coming together in my head. That does that's yeah. making more sense. So white wheat to add that's where that that's where you're getting the little bit of body that you do is with that white wheat. That's how you got to yeah. get away from that lagery characteristics just a little bit. Yep. And you know, they don't even have the um the uh the dex the um carapils or one of the head retention just uh, those two yeah huh okay the wheat's gonna take care of a portion of that oh it certainly will yeah, yeah. does it say anything about percentages 90 10 okay okay i can work with that yeah so i i guess the one right idea i had was the um the dominance of the um uh, base malt. So, does it say anything about the uh, vols of CO two? That is a good question. Mm. Okay, I'm there. Where were we? George is a happily married man. Ah, yes. As the previous call would say. Yeah. Man, you got it made, my friend. I got... You got wined and dined here in Illinois tonight. You're flying home to Virginia to a wife who's going to get you beer. I got good spouses. Oh, you know, man. Jason is honorary spouse, too, in my, uh, in, in, in my house. <laughs> and... You know, I get food from him. Yeah. I get beer from the wife. I'm good. Life is good. I'm good. Man, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So if I recall correctly, we were talking about the uh, grain profile, and we had talked about the... So um, we got through hops. We got through grains. Did we? we were, okay. We, okay, we were talking about um, o- Omega Yeast has... I said that this is oh. a recipe page. Um, so it does talk about carbonation packaged okay. to a higher carbonation to an estimation of 2.7 to 3 volumes of CO2. 
Wow. That's high. So, I, I don't have the math on that. But, I mean, what's the PSI on that to, to get to that? Well, it depends on the temperature. Um, let me... Uh, yeah, you would know this better than I would. Carbonation chart. One second. Let me look that up real quick. So, I typically ferment in my kegerator at about... Uh, sorry, not car- ferment, but carbonate in my kegerator at about 40 to 42 degrees. In order to hit three vols, I would need to be at about 20 psi. For how long? It just to, until it's until carbonated. it's carbonated. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and to put that in perspective, for my average beer, I will typically be between twelve and fourteen. I was gonna say like some of the stouts that I've made, mm-hmm. usually about twelve and a half. Yeah, is what they. Yeah. So t- between twelve and fourteen is where I typically am. So this be about twenty. Hmm. So well, yeah. I mean, seeing how this bubbled up when this when we first poured out of this can, yeah. I get it. No, I totally get it too. The biggest challenge is going to be getting that. Uh, what'd you say, gluten? No, not gluten, but uh, the 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 wheat. Yeah, the enzyme that breaks all that down is going to be the biggest challenge of um, to getting to breaking down those complex sugars so I can get to that really dry finishing gravity. Glucoamylase. Glucoamylase, that's what it was, yeah. Enzyme that breaks down complex starches into simpler sugars for the yeast to chew through. Yeah. Well, I mean, it may not be as difficult as you might think. I mean, with a simple grain profile like this, white wheat and then base malt? Yeah, but even white wheat and base malt, I think that the traditional did the the if you were just plug that into Beersmith, you're probably gonna be like ten ten. Like I'm gonna have to do some stuff to this to drive it down. Uh, I think. Oh to oh to drive it down? Yeah, to drive it down to the the ten oh two that the style recommendation in on that page recommended. So everything is fermentable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, because remember, oh, gotcha, gotcha, water gotcha, is gotcha. basically one. Yeah, yeah, so I got to yeah. ferment out. Almost to wa- Yeah, almost yeah. to your, your baseline now, level. I'm assuming if they have a specific brute IPA yeast that it's going to be. Well, and, and that's, remember, that's where this conversation started is yeah. where where is the brute IPA yeast? And I'm still looking for this, so. I mean, I, I trust there is an answer, and maybe the answer is that it's a champagne-type type yeast. It might have some of those characteristics, yeah. I, I would think so, to your point, to get down to that level, because beer yeast does not typically do that. Oh, so here's an actual recipe. Which website? Omega. No, that's what I've been reading off. That's of. what you. That's what you've been reading off of. Yeah. yeah. So it has, I mean, they, they don't talk a ton about yeast in that page. No, they don't. But they talked about the different hops, and this is a different. This is a interesting hop profile here. Go ahead. So all of these are fifteen minutes and less. So it has for six gallons. It has. Half an ounce of Columbus at 15 minutes, 
an ounce of Pacifica at at flame out, half an ounce of what do you show show it to me? It's that bullet point below Pacifica. Kohatu, sure. Kohatu at flame out, <coughs> and then this also has Hallertau Blanc. Have half an ounce at flame out, and then Nelson Savan is what they uh, dry hopped with for two ounces for two days. Hmm. So I mean, yes, this has IPA characteristics, mm-hmm. but this is not a traditional IPA. This is not a super carbonated IPA, and I so think that's a big takeaway. Of it this. is a big takeaway. So I mean, that's kind of like a dividing line between this and regular IPAs. If all your hop additions are late, like like Georgia just mentioned, then yeah, that, okay. that, that's a separator right there. Because because in a regular IPA, you're going to aim for every ounce of those IBUs that you can capture. So there actually is a enzyme called glucoanalyse. This is why I thought I'm going to have to do something special. So it says to drain off six gallons of the wort to the fermenter, add glucoanalyse to the wort as directed. Wait a second. Add glucoanalyse? Is this the kind of thing that you buy from a homebrew supply store? Maybe. I don't know. Let's find out. (laughs) We're learning on the fly here, folks. Yeah, you guys know we're usually way more prepared than this, but... It's all good. Yeah. It's I mean, all good. All right. So fast, fir- this, Firm Fast has glucoanalyse, and you can buy it from Adventures oh, in Home Brewing. Okay. I learned something already. Mm-hmm. I thought this was something you would produce out of the mash. Well, I was wondering that, too, because you, 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 you know, there's a lot of enzyme triggering in the mash. Yeah, and things, absolutely. But this seems to be a secondary enzyme that you add in. Oh. So glucoanalyse... Wow, this is going to get somewhat complicated. This this is a powdered glucoanalyse, and this is 10 grams of it, sufficient for up to 20 pounds of dextrins. Come on, people. 20 pounds <laughs> of dextrins? Yeah. Are you insane? I don't... I, what the f- that was the first thing that came up. <laughs> but glucoanalyse, you know, it's interesting because I wonder... I'm going to have to look into this a little bit more because it seems to be... It's also sold by the vitamin shop as a gluten ease. If people have like a slight gluten intolerance, they can take it as a supplement to be able to help break down those glutens and be able to process that better. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so that alone would change kind of the base profile of the beer. Right, so they would take that as a as a as a vitamin, basically. So I think so. I think so, that's what it's doing in the beer too, is it's helping to break down those proteins even further. So I mean, so that's going to contribute to a lighter body, just based on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's going to be this interesting. Is this is good. As a you know, northern brewer has it too. Let me see if there's better directions, not something about pounds of dextrin. Okay, use one teaspoon. Per five gallon batch, so it doesn't take much. One teaspoon, yeah, yeah, not a lot at all. Yeah, okay. And this, <laughs> so this I'm, not, last, I'm not too surprised. This will last 
from Northern Brewer, this will last forever. It's one pound. Oh, <laughs> How much are they selling that for? 12 bucks. <laughs> and then... Ladies and gentlemen, you need to buy this one time in your life. Forever, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the shelf life is, but... So... <laughs> this has got to have application on a commercial scale. And, and even at that mm. level... I mean, still, this, sure. this pound is going to last you a good a good long time, even if you're making 75-gallon batches. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many teaspoons are in a pound, but I imagine it's a lot. So Do, you do know, the math on that. You do the math on that. Huh? I, no, no. Listener, do the math on that. <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> not, not today. I'm a, I'm a decent numbers guy, but no. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, hang on. See, it's more beer is actually who I've been ordering from lately, and they've been do- doing really good by me. And so I'm going to see if they have glucoanalyse. I'm sure they do. They don't. No? No. What about L.D. Carlson? You know, I think they do, because one of the first searches that came up was L.D. Carlson glucoanalyse. I'm not surprised. Who are these guys? I don't know them. These, yeah, you do. I do? Brewworks had like their entire catalog. Oh, okay. If you see those little like like white bottles, like the, uh, oh, the bottles those like, guys. like World yeah, Flock, yeah. that's okay. all them. That's I'm all with them. you. Yeah, I follow. Yeah, I never put two and two together on that Got apparently. It. Got it. That's basically their entire product line. Yeah, it looks like Fast Firm is the... For homebrewers, it's the like the the you know the one for Google Analyze. Oh, okay. But yeah, okay. So, so we're talking about making a extremely dry, basic, not basic, but low grain bill complexity beer. Yep. That you adding- can ferment down to damn near a base level. Right. Adding in hops at the very end just to give you the, essentially the essence of IPA. Yeah. And dry hopping to give you the aromas. But you basically are looking just for the essence of IPA. Yeah. And adding in, when you, before you throw it in the fermenter, adding in this glucoanalyse to help bolster the yeast and drive it down to basically no sugars left over yeah exactly which takes us back to the question about the yeast i wish i could find a recommended yeast that's true that omega recipe which omega's a yeast lab you would think they would talk about the yeast that you'd use (laughs) and that is surprisingly absent from this article which we both agree is puzzling. While commercial examples lean towards cleaner profiles, I think they. I think what they did was they said the commercial exa- examples lean towards the lighter profiles. So, like you could use West Coast Ale One, mm-hmm. and which is one of theirs, right? And or British Ale One. It said non-phenol strains with expressive ester character can produce phenomenal results, and then they have two other ones. They have the right DIPA ale and the tropical ale. So those yeah, are the ones you. That's can the use. article I was talking about. Yeah. Right. So I think those. So it's this is less about which yeast you pick and more about 
what you do to the work. I guess I, I'm left with questions about how far down those yeasts would take you. But maybe I'm overthinking that. I I think you're not, but you're just not factoring in what the gluconolysis is going to be able to do. Because that gluconolysis right. is going to break down those unfermentable sugars into fermentable sugars. Okay. Now, and then all right. give, now this is coming together for me. Okay. Right. And then all it's right. going to give the yeast... <laughs> keep going. Keep going. It's going to give the yeast that opportunity to eat those sugars and drive it down to, you know, basically nothing. All right. That that just brought it all around for me. Yeah. It it really did. So now, I mean, just seeing what what effect that's going to have, unfermentables becoming fermentables mm-hmm. and just, you know, double IPA yeast being able to take care of this. Okay. Absolutely. I'm there. Right. I'm yeah, there. exactly. So, okay. then it raises the question are there other styles that you could do something like this? If you let's say you took the Gluca Annalise okay. and you put it in, you drove some other style, not IPA, but some other All style right, okay. down to like and really dried it out. Okay. Is there any other style that would take to that? You think? So alright. So building off of that, what I guess the question becomes what style could you see taking down to such a low gravity and having right. you know a positive effect um you know a light bodied IPA you know that we have right here in the brood IPA is an example of that mm-hmm. um what else see i'm thinking what, what about what about a, i guess the, i guess one that comes to mind and this is fairly similar to this is would be a kolsch yeah, I mean a Kulsh, I was wondering about the either Kulsh sure. or a lager, but those I'm, are already so low. How how low though? Like, you know, 10.09, I mean, we're not talking about a whole lot of difference there. I'm wondering if that would just make it feel flat. Pro, you're probably right. Okay, so, so veering away from that. So veering away from that, I'm wondering if we could take something like a something that has like kind of those banana esters. Like a wheat, a, a I, wheat or a Belgian? No, no, I would not be into that. I, I think, um, I, I mean, I, I view wheat. I mean, unless there's some kind of adjunct. I mean, th- th- I mean, there's a lot of good things about wheat beers, but I mean, I feel like a lot of times those are kind of what you're being presented with is kind of a base level beer, okay, and just kind of you know just that's it's good palate that's kind yeah, of thing. It's a good palate, and that's what you have. If you add something like glucoamylase mm-hmm. and drive that gravity down, I think you're just you're lose making a ba- well, not only that, but you're making a base beer even more basic to the point that mm. you're just taking all the like the character out of the beer that that's even there at that point. So, so here's an idea. What about like a black lager? Cuz you have a black lager now, which is granted already a low final gravity, but you also have some, with the black lagers, you have some, like, of those roasty qualities from the black malts that you put into it. So if you drove that down and you kicked up the the carbonation, would those kind of roasty qualities compete with the carbonation or would it complement? That's an interesting idea. It'd be experimental. Yeah, well, I mean, all of this is experimental. <laughs> you're, you're, but, right, yeah. you're right, it is. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, no I, I like where you're going. 
I would. I mean, I would try that. Yeah. Next batch. Yeah. Well, I mean, next batch for me is going to be the the brewed IPA. Especially yeah. Right. After the, the one. This. The one after that. Yeah. And this, and I may be in Virginia for this one. <laughs> I feel like we're setting the table for it. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now I'm, I'm. I was a little kind of apprehensive. What else? What else? No, I, I like where you're going. I don't feel like that's the only example that you could explore for something like that. Yeah. So, um, you know what? Let's just go to the good old BJCP guidelines and okay. let's just kind of pick one. We don't have, yeah. For those of you who don't know, um, BJCP guidelines. Oh, stop. BJCP. Stop. Our listeners are educated enough. They know what it is. No, I know that. I wasn't going to... This isn't a what is water situation. (laughs) This is... You know, we're both pulling up the BJCP 2015 guidelines on the Android phone. If you don't know that, you know, you just look up in the um, Android Google store thing, um, BJCP 2015 has a really good app for for guidelines and things. That's what yeah. I, that's what we're looking okay. at. Okay, all right, all right. Is that fair? Yes, all right. it's fair. You, you know, here here's a good one. I didn't think of this, but this is probably a good one. English uh English bitter. English bitter? Yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah. I was English bitter has a lot of those like kind of multi characters characteristics and I wonder if you would just lose those. Maybe. Maybe. How about a how about a dry Irish red? Ooh, that's not. A, I mean, yeah, th- that that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me too. Yeah. Huh. Because it'd be you kind of be instead of being reminiscent of kind of a well, and that you may. Oh, okay. All right. So okay, I, I have no idea if this would work, but I've got something in my head of instead of it being reminiscent of champagne, it being kind of reminiscent of kind of a, a whiskey, like an Irish whiskey. Oh. <laughs> so instead of kicking up the carbonation super high, you kind of leave it somewhat low. A lot of those styles are... Are light on the a on the ABV? Yeah, the reds are typically. Yeah, yeah. barrel age. Ooh, <laughs> barrel aged. Oh, <laughs> this is brilliant. We're gonna we're, so so okay. We're gonna call it yeah uh, 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 a brute whiskey red. Brute whiskey barrel aged red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is all right. You heard you yeah. heard it here, folks. That's it's one of this. It's right up there with like the chips and salsa thing. It's either going to be great or it's going to be terrible, <laughs> and I have no idea which. I I mean, I mean, it makes sense to me that I mean I feel like there would be a balance created with that. Yeah. So I mean that makes a lot of sense. A brute barrel aged Irish red. If we're gonna do that, we got to do it with. Um, Jameson or some good Irish okay. whiskey. You okay. Know, you can't, you know. All right. I can come into Ooh, so whiskey barrels. That can be done. Do you do like a traditional red or do you do a Flanders? No, not a, no, not a, not Flanders? a Flanders. Okay, all right. Well, hold on a second. Doing a Flanders, I mean, that's a hoppier style. So that would take you some take you somewhere closer to this. 
It would, but it also doesn't a Flanders typically have a little bit of kind of pseudo sour notes to it? Maybe. Yeah. So that might object to this a little bit. I would gravitate away from that then. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So lots to experiment with. Yeah, there. it is. Yeah. All right. I think we've uh I think we've Gotten yeah, yeah. all the mileage out of out so of the too. brute IPA that uh, that, that we uh, mm. set out to do, but that was fantastic. I'm I, so I, glad this came up. Absolutely, and I gotta say one more time. Yeah, hailstorm. Good job. Hats off to you, hailstorm and from Tinley Park, Illinois. Cheers. So, if anybody is in the Chicago land area, and um, they have some, we found this at a bottle shop. So, Hop Seco. I I highly recommend trying it out. Hopsecco Brute IPA from Hailstorm. Mm-hmm. Cheers, people. All right. All right, George. Thank you so much for bringing this. And it's so and it's so great to have you. We we haven't done in studio show in a long time. A long long time. Long time. I'm very very happy this came together. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to embarrass George a little bit now that he's you know sitting three feet from me. Okay. All right. George has had a week like no other. And he, uh, no, I should say, let me restate that. George is in the middle of a week like no other, which takes him on a travel schedule which involves not one, not two, but three different trips <laughs> in the it's same true. calendar it's week. true. So, George, talk to me. So, what have you, what's, What's what have you experienced so far this week, and what's still on the on the calendar ahead? So I started this week on f- Thursday night of last week. Of last week, okay. Last week I went. I flew flew down to uh, to New Orleans, and you know, big had easy some, had had some work to do there, and then you know spent the weekend there. Um, Sunday afternoon we flew back monday i did some wash <laughs> and packed monday again. did some wash back in virginia <laughs> <laughs> and packed again and then tuesday i flew out now i'm here okay in chicago uh, tomorrow i fly back friday i pack again and saturday i drive down to tennessee oh, wow so look the, at that yeah it's a little busy so but, in the span of nine days that's three different trips yes yeah. In nine days, my friend. A little busy. That is wow. But I will wow. say, you know, from a from a beer perspective, it was not uneventful. Not uneventful. Talk to me. All right. So we we were This is gonna be our version of other brews reviewed for today's <laughs> episode. We were a block off of Bourbon Street in when we were in New Orleans at a uh, a hotel. It was a Hyatt down there. Okay. And they were they had for a Hyatt they had the best beer selection I've ever seen. They have one they have one tap that apparently by Hyatt commercial contract um, had to be Stella. Every single other tap that they had was local craft New Orleans beers. That is awesome they did not have your, stella uh, and everything else local i love that yeah they did not and have this is a major hotel oh absolutely it was Man. like i said it was, it was a hyatt and it was right there off yeah. bourbon street 
They did not have your obligatory like Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light taps. No, okay. none of okay. that noise. It was all there. So, do you recall offhand some of the local breweries that you saw on tap, other than the ones that you're going to review? Um, no. Okay. No, I'm sorry. That just it didn't stick in my head. That's that's my bad. You totally took my thunder. I did, and that's that's. Uh, but I can tell you that the ones that I had were very good, and uh, I logged them in untapped, but I, I'll admit I am so unfamiliar with untapped <laughs> that I don't know how to find the beers that I rated. Come here. You throw it over. I'll get, I'll oh, get no, it. Oh, no, I got it. I got okay. it. I got oh, okay, it. Okay. okay. All right. So, all right. So, the first one was called Ready to Mingle Belgian Single. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. It was by Crying Eagle Brewing. Okay. So this was it, obviously a Belgian single. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Four point seven ABV, seventeen IBU, and uh, I gave this one a, you know a very good rating. Um, and you know it was a multi, um, and easy drinking smooth example of triple like it wasn't there was no sometimes with triples i'm sorry singles you and and belgian beers in general you can get some of the the alcohol esters in it a little bit more than you would want to yeah and that wasn't present here it was very smooth very easy drinking and it was um definitely one that i would try again if i was uh in the area I'm, I, I've got this brewery up. What, what was the uh, what was the uh, ready to mingle Belgian single? Ready to mingle four point seven. Wow. Mm-hmm. Tra- oh, the Trappist techniques. Okay. Yeah. So it was a Trappist beer. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Patrick's beer. Wow. Yep. And then sits so right on the Gulf Coast, Port uh, Port Charles. Cool. All right. Then the next one I had was called Reasonably Corrupt. And, (laughs) (laughs) no, I love these names. That's so appropriate for for New Orleans. For New Orleans, it really is. (laughs) So this was a dark, it was a black lager. And uh, it was 5.5 ABV, super sessionable, and 30 IBU. What's the brewery? Uh, it was Great Raft Brewing. Great Raft. Okay. Yeah. And it's out of Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, okay. All right. So this oh, one... Up north a little bit. A little bit, getting yeah. Getting further, further up into the state. So this one was super light. It had all the lager characteristics you could ask for. Okay. But then on top of that, it had just a, the slightest hint of maltiness and coffee characteristics, coffee and roasty characteristics to Okay. It. Okay. It might be one of the best black loggers I've ever had. Wow. Yeah. Now that's high praise. Granted, I haven't had like hundreds of black loggers, okay. but All it's right. Hey, when it's good, it's good. Yeah, I mean it was really good. Yeah. Um and if we weren't going out to, you know, other places and things, I you know, would have had more. But okay. it was uh it, it it was it was extremely easy drinking and the body was there but it wasn't super thick like you would want with a lager 
and but it wasn't super thin either so it just had enough of that maltiness to give it some extra depth of character okay and then the coffee and roasty notes came in after that to just seal the deal oh that's that's awesome yeah man right in time for the holiday too Uh uh-huh oh man that is awesome you know that story brought something to mind and i believe i probably shared the story on the show before but it's worth repeating because we're getting up to christmas time Mm -hmm. and i have not had the travel week that george has had but i am on the cusp of making a trip back down to atlanta georgia where i have family Mm -hmm. i will be heading out within the next five days but um Atlanta, Georgia is home to the best scotch ale I have ever had in my life. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, I like me a scotch ale. You and me both. Well, Atlanta is home to a brewery called Monday Night Brewing. And they have a scotch ale on their on their um, draft menu that's called Drafty Kilt. <laughs> Fitting me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've had this on tap um, not once but twice on two different trips. And this is, um, again, I said it before, and it's worth saying again, it is the best scotch ale I've ever had. Wow. And your story about that being the best black... Yeah, black lager? Black lager yeah. that you've ever had brought that right back. All right. On the same month, so... Yeah, and, it and brought so it, right it to makes the surface. Me, it makes me think that it's like the scotch ales. I think the best one I had was the one out of, I want to say it was... Colorado. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Um, we've had it at a Colorado of, uh, Scotch Ale. Ah, oh, jeez, what is that called? Oh, it starts with a B. Um, Breckenridge. Breckenridge. That's the one. What what Scotch Ale does a Breckenridge does Breckenridge have? They've got the Vanilla Porter. That's the one that they're known for. Yeah, and I remember that being tasty. Oh, it's, I was oh, it's pretty delicious. sure they had a scotch ale. You might too. be right. I, I just I'm not sure I've had it. Yeah. The, I mean the big commercial scotch ale that I know about and I enjoy very much is from Founders is mm. the Dirty Bastard. Yeah, what's really funny is I don't like Founders. Oh what? I'm sorry. Oh I know that's I'm a, friggin I'm about to quit this show right now. Are you <laughs> Freaking kidding me! It's sacrilegious. You said is sacrilegious to say around here. No, 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 no. You just left the Midwest, and now you're talking shit about founders on my show. To be fair, I was talking shit about no, you were not. That that is nonsense. Look at the sound levels. We have never had levels. (laughs) No, that that is nonsense. You have never come on this show and talked about founders that way. Well, maybe I did on this show, but no. it never it didn't come up before. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, what 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 else is? I mean, founders they make. Uh, a, is it? What's the other one? Well, they make founders breakfast stout, which is yeah. a fantastic breakfast, fantastic stout. They also have KBS, which is the barrel age version. Yeah, which that's. Hey, KBS. Uh, sorry, man. I, I know. I know. George, I, I'm about to get kicked out. You, you, and I've got no other good. place this, to this, sleep. This is not but, good. So, you know. This is not good. <laughs> okay. The one thing I will... Here's the one the, the one thing I'll echo on that comment. Because there's one point. there's one point I can echo in what you're saying. Because I sat through a... Um, 
presentation from the main brewer. Okay. At uh, from founders, and it was at the boss um, award ceremony, and I think it was this past year. Okay. Because I don't believe you were at it, so I, I think was it not. was the, the past year. But I learned something about founders being there, and I never would have guessed this, but you'll appreciate this. Sixty percent of founders production is the all day IPA. No, I believe that. I, I absolutely. I, I did not. That. I did not see that coming. Yeah. Because. Founders has a huge library, has a huge catalog. Yeah. I mean, year round, I mean, uh, seasonal beers just, I mean, start to finish throughout the year. I mean, all day IPA is their staple. I get that. But 60% of their production just totally threw me for a loop. Yeah. I mean, the stupid country is still obsessed with IPAs for some reason. I know. And listen, the all day IPA is not a bad beer. I'm not. I'm no, not it's not. It. I mean, as IPAs go, you know. So here's the thing: is I feel like the modern IPA has lost the plot on what an IPA is supposed to be, because an IPA is supposed to be a like so. So the the original IPA, the reason why it was so crushed with hops is because it had to go from the UK. All the way to India, hence the name. Well, okay, to call that call that in further, that was the the origin of hops being entered into beer. Fair enough, but especially when it was called IPA, they would put you know eighty to ninety IBUs in yeah, there. Yeah, hence the name India Pale Ale. Right, yep. and then right, it taken. would take months to get there, and it oh, would yeah. mellow. Yes, exactly. So you would the hops helped preserve the beer. Right. So it, but. I feel like modern IPAs, a lot of them are like, well, let's crush it with hops and then serve it right away. And it just takes, you know, you got to find a way to kind of simulate yeah. the, which is why you really, if you really want to do IPA well, you have to be super nuanced with it. You can't just crush it with hops. I Yes, I'm on board with that. No, I, no, I, I totally am. I don't view founders, though, as... You know, kind of the iconic brewery that's doing that. No, I, I, in, and I kind of diverge. Is that, from that is a that the, bit. is that the way you see founders is just an example of a brewery that's made their name off of that with crushing beer with hops? No, no. I mean, okay. all day IPA, as far as IPAs go, is is good. I'm just not a fan of their other stuff. I don't know what it is. Hey, have you not had KBS before? I've had, of course, I've had KBS before. It wasn't with me. No, it wasn't with you. Okay, but I have. All right, okay, yeah, all right, okay. and 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 so the other one that I really just cannot stand on any level whatsoever is Dark Lord. Not a founder's beer. No, I know. Okay, but I've just, I still ha- okay. God, I'm going to cut this out. I've never had Dark Lord. Really, I've never had. Okay, Dark Lord. I've had it just. Hated it. I've had other beers from that brewery. I just That's three I, Floyds, right? Yeah, three yeah. Floyds. And, and I just, I, I mean, and I know what a spectacle Dark Lord is. This, this is a whole another episode that we're getting into, and we made this may be an episode in itself, just it ranting be, about but, Midwestern breweries. But no, I, I mean, I don't have a base level. I've never been to Dark Lord Day. I've never had a bottle of it. I, I know what a, what an episode. It, I, I know what a event it is. Yeah. I mean, there's pluses and minuses on both sides of the fact that they've made a spectacle out of it to the extent that they have. 
I think you've gone too far. I think it's Maybe. more about the spectacle than it is. I mean, especially if you talk to people that have yeah. had, had Dark Lord through the years, they've seen a marked decrease in quality. Every year and, is and different. We don't have to put this in, but <laughs> you know, it, we they've seen a, a marked decrease in quality because it's become about how much a, a spectacle can we make of it, and less about is it good beer, you yeah. know. To some extent. Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean... Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm sorry I, about the... I, I, the... Mean, you, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a different release each year. So I'm sure the response is a little bit different each year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess one comparison, and I mean, it's somewhat comparable, is Bourbon County. Because certain years of the Bourbon goose? County... Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, certain years of... of um, of Bourbon County are rated way higher than others. I suspect that Dark Lord, you know, probably falls on that on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, I I really don't have the frame of reference. Well, so the difference that I find with um, Dark Lord versus uh, Goose Bourbon is Goose Bourbon goes wide. It's it's a limited release, but it's limited release to like a bunch of different places. So you might stand in a line two hours to get it, but you can go to like the local bottle shop and get it and things. And so they mm-hmm. still have a certain level of quality they have to maintain in order to drive that people to want to stand two hours to get it. Whereas Dark Lord Day, you can only get that at Dark Lord Day, that one day, so it's the whole spectacle of it, and I think that's become more important. I agree with that, but I think the fact that you can get Bourbon County at other places, I think there's a similar spectacle just from Black Friday being, you know, Black Friday has become in Chicagoland, you know, almost synonymous with Bourbon County Day. Mm, yeah. Now, you don't have to stand in line in one place, to get Bourbon County the way you do Dark Lord. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are similarities with that because lines are forming outside of places every yeah. year on Black Friday now. But with Dark Lord Day, you literally have to buy tickets to have the right to buy Dark Lord. Bourbon County props is the same way. The only way you can get Bourbon County, like, what is that stuff? I said props. Is that? Oh, crap. Like the one specific type? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's about, I think there's about 10 different varieties of Bourbon County. Yeah. Oh. And to be honest, my favorite is like the bitch, the regular Bourbon County, not the specialty ones they do. God, it's driving me nuts that I can't think of it. Yeah. But, anyways, I, I I hear what you're saying. Okay. The 2018 lineup. Yeah. One bourbon. should not be flavored. So Bourbon County Original. Yeah. That's the one I like. Okay. Bourbon County Vanilla. Yeah. Bourbon County Wheat Wine. Okay. Barley Wine. Barley Wine. Coffee will be another one. Midnight Orange. Oh. Okay. Bramble Rye. Proprietors. That's the one. Prop. That's that's a word I couldn't think of. Okay. Prop is the same way. You have to buy tickets to an exclusive event in order to have the right to buy it. 
See, I'm not okay with that either. Talk to Goose Island. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Or or InBev, whichever you prefer. <laughs> I prefer Goose Island <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've heard prop is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I prefer, I mean, I've heard that's kind of hit hit or miss, like Dark Lord is. I too. had it. I, I mean, I, the, um, I have had prop. I think I think it was 2016, the version that I had. I had it at a bottle share event. It was very good. You know, but here's the thing: it's like prop makes its Chicago only return this year and showcases one shining attribute of Bourbon County: chocolate. Using actual chocolate for the first time, Prop emphasizes dark, sweet, fudgy characteristics that's been a, I think it's supposed to be staple, of Bourbon County from the start. Each barrel uses 12 pounds of cocoa nibs. But adding chocolate to a stout isn't anything special. I think the, um, I think the adjunct is different with each year that they make Prop. The, the okay. Props. Yeah, that could be. I think. Yeah. So chocolate just happened to be this year. Chocolate's just, yeah. Anyways, we've gotten horribly off topic. But yeah. It, so, but Anyways, we're going to seal this up. But um, yeah, this, I mean, first of all, exploring this brewed IPA style mm-hmm. was really great. Yeah. I'm, no, really, I'm really glad we, we got to do this. I learned a lot. I'm excited and, to make yeah, it now. I, I, I am too. I, I, really, yeah. I really wish, I, I, I would love to be a part of it in some way. If I can contribute well, to the we, recipe or, or something of that nature. Well, we share a uh, Beersmith cloud, so you'll be we able do. to see it. But We do. Um, maybe we should both take a whack at it. You know what? That's not a bad if idea. If you don't have a, like an already a January plan for a beer. I've got two that I need to brew by, by the end of February. Okay. So throwing a third batch may be a challenge. Maybe a challenge. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's keep that open-ended. I, I would love to contribute to this in some way, shape, or form. Okay. So we'll, we'll figure that out. And you, you came here and you talked shit about Founders. I don't, sorry, man. man. That came out of nowhere, if too. It, it, no, if it, it makes it you feel really, better. It really if it, did. If it makes you feel better, there's a prominent brewery in Virginia called Stone IPA. I mean, Stone. Is that, it's Stone. That's not where they're based, though, is it? It's one of their main locations is in Virginia. Aren't they... California based though I think their their main 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 location is California that's what I thought okay but the but the one of their big locations is yeah. outside of Richmond yeah and or actually it's in Richmond basically right and right I saw the pictures on the inside quite impressive it is and one of their biggest beers that everybody loves to death is arrogant bastard oh yeah I've had it I've had it no it's another one of those that's no. just like it's an IPA I'm, crushed I'm, with hops. I agree with that. No, I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to sing the praises of Arrogant Bastard. I mean, so, it's is what it is. I don't know if that makes you feel better or not. A, it does a little bit. Yeah. No, I, okay. I hear where you're coming from. All right. Anyways, it's a pleasure having you here, my friend. Thank you, sir. It's been a long. It's been a long time coming. I'm so glad this came together. Yeah. And you're going to be back next month. That's the theory. Yeah, yeah. theory is <laughs> the next full episode where we're both going to be more prepared for this. Yes, is is going to take place in January. We're going to have it, and uh, we're going to record it here in person, okay. three feet from, from hey, each other. So you had said, okay, so we're doing an abbreviated episode, but you had said you found an 
trivia question that was super interesting. Yes. And, and so now I'm curious. I, I have yes. to know. I, okay. Thank you very much. We almost closed out the episode and didn't get to this. Okay. We have a trivia trivia question this month. All right. So here you go. We are drinking beer right here. We are. All right, George. This is not the trivia question, but here's a lead into it. <laughs> All right. In the scale of the most popular beverages in the world, where would you say that beer ranks? I'd say fairly high. Um, uh, just, you want a number? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put it as probably two or three. Well done, sir. It is number two. Okay. I'm I'm impressed. Okay, can yes. I take a stab at number one? No, th- that's what the trivia question is. Okay, so, all right. All, all right, right. So pause, pause right there. So, all right. So, all right, listeners, soak that in real quick. So, the second most popular beverage in the world is beer. Wait, is this alcoholic of, beverage? No, or this beverage? is this is beverages straight up. Okay, beer, number two beverage in the world. Okay, pretty impressive. Yeah, it is it's, pretty impressive. I mean. It, it makes sense on a lot of levels, but I mean, just soak that in for a second. So, beer is good. Yes, it, beer is absolutely good. So, the trivia question for this month is beer is the second most popular beverage in the world, coming in second behind what? Okay. We have four choices number one, soda. Mm. Number two, tea. Mm. Number three, <laughs> juice. And number four, coffee oh damn now water is excluded of course because that is not i mean because that is a A requirement to live it's 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 a life requirement (laughs) so this this is quite a selection to choose from so the most popular beverage in the world beer is second number one is soda tea juice or coffee. Okay, soda's really popular. I get that. But and coffee. However, just based on a lot of the more eastern and especially, you know, and 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 European, you know, predilection towards it, I'm going to say tea. You are correct, my friend. Nice. The answer is tea. <laughs> yeah. No, and you, you're going in the right direction because I think a lot of that volume is coming from the Eastern countries. Yeah. Because and- tea, I mean, you know, you don't have soda or coffee anywhere right. near some of these areas. Right. Tea is the one and only selection you have outside of water. Yeah. Yeah. But think about that. Next to those four, beer is number two in the world. So if you were to eliminate non-alcoholic drinks from that, so you're just talking about like what is the most popular alcoholic drinks? Well, I mean, beer is number one just based on that. Do you think so? Or do you think... No, there's no question about it. Beer is the second most popular beer beverage in the world ahead oh, of only tea okay fair enough yeah so it's, yeah. it surpasses wine 
It and surpasses see, that's spirits. That's what I was wondering if maybe no, wine would be. No, right, right based on that, it's already passed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting to think about those just next to each other. I mean, because beer and wine, I, I feel comfortable that they're past vodka, rum, whiskey, those. I do too. Yeah. I mean, Especially they considering have things like sake is considering rice wine and things like that. Yeah. So, like, wine is a fairly broad category. True. Um, so, yeah. but I So, I feel like spirits would be yeah below that. Right. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, but yeah. But yeah, you're right. By that logic, yeah, beer would be number one. And it is. And it is. <laughs> there you go, people. Now you know. Beer is number one. The, the more you know. Do, 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 do. Really? That's what, that's what you're doing now? <laughs> yeah, I guess I did. Okay. <laughs> NBC. <laughs> Hashtag the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great pod, people. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's seal this up. All right, George, thank you so much for joining. This was fantastic. This is fun. And I look forward to January's episode as well, my friend. Yeah. All right. It takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.